My name is Pastor Mike Landsman, and this is the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. This podcast is taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. I pray that as you listen to them, they will be a blessing to you and strengthen you in your walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's what we have for today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. This morning, our text for the sermon is going to come primarily from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, beginning with the first of the 14th verse. And my title this morning is Filled for Fruitfulness. Filled for Fruitfulness. So in this text here from uh, Colossians, St. Paul was not the one who founded the church at the church uh, there in, in, in Colossae. And he was an apostle, but even though he was not one of the twelve, he was made an apostle by Jesus Christ himself, as he notes in the first verse. An apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. This means that no human set him apart or called him to the ministry of an apostle, but even though he was set apart by Christ, he still went to Jerusalem and submitted himself to the leadership of the church there. And then he would travel around the ancient world, going from city to city and establishing churches. And in Colossae, there was a church planted by a man named Epaphras who related to Paul news about them. And so as an apostle, St. Paul has the authority and has the ability to write to churches that he didn't even start. He's able to hear news about what's going on there and he's able to respond himself with letters of encouragement and instruction even to places that he did not found because that's what apostles do and that's the authority given to them by Christ. And so here in this passage, in this text, he talks, well there's actually a very beautiful prayer where he lists, these are the things that I'm praying for you. And it's a beautiful list of, of, of things that he's praying for the church there which is equally applicable to us today and we'll get there in a few moments. But at the opening of this text here, he says that the gospel is bearing fruit among them, as well as increasing in the whole world. And this is not an exaggeration, right? The, the apostles themselves, they worked tirelessly to, to spread the gospel of Christ, and some of them wound up reaching as far into, uh, into China itself. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, and he's rejoicing that this power of God unto salvation is doing just that among them. The gospel is bearing fruit. The word is not returning void. The gospel, the announcement of what Jesus Christ has done, who he is and the summons to follow him, is both preached and lived. When it is both preached and lived, then its power is unleashed and it will bear much fruit. If someone says they are proclaiming the gospel, but there is no personal transformation playing it out, playing it out culturally and locally and personally, then it is not the gospel. It is not the gospel. And people will try to add the word gospel to things that are not the gospel. The prosperity gospel is not the gospel. The social gospel is not the gospel. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's done, and the summons to follow him and live for him and live like him. And brothers and sisters, we live in a day and age where churches are dying, most particularly among what are called the mainline churches. 
And I can't help but wonder, maybe we're dying because instead of preaching and living the gospel, we've been preaching and living politics. Maybe we're dying because instead of living how the gospel calls us to live, we baptize cultural values and live those out and say it's the gospel instead of living according to virtue. Because, like I said, when the true gospel goes out, it does not bring death. It brings life. It bears fruit. And fruit growing on the vine shows that everything is healthy. And so the markers of the gospel bearing fruit, he lays this out in verse 4. We heard your, sa your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So those three, faith, hope, and love. And he talks about faith, hope, and love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where he says, And these three things abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? He talks about faith, hope, and love there, and he talks about faith, hope, and love here. Because these are important ideas in Paul's mind. And faith in Jesus Christ isn't just belief in Jesus Christ. We talked about this with the confirmands this morning, right? It's not just enough to believe in who Jesus is. We have to follow Jesus. We have to know who he is. What we believe and confess about Jesus matters. Faith in Christ is not just believing in who he is. Faith in Jesus is allegiance to Jesus. It's loyalty to Jesus as our king and as our Lord. As our king and as our Lord. Two, two words that our culture does not deal well with because to call somebody king or to acknowledge them as Lord means to acknowledge that they have a power over us or authority over us and that we owe them our loyalty and fealty. And if there's anything that our culture focuses on right now is that power in and of itself is bad or wicked and to be resisted. But the power that Jesus exercised flows through his self-giving self-sacrificial love, not through coercion. Faith then expresses itself through love. As St. James notes in his own epistle that faith works through love. And this love is self-giving service that the Colossian Christians are showing to one another and the other Christians scattered about. This self-sacrificial love is modeled by the parable we heard read from the gospel this morning about the Good Samaritan. About how the priest walks by and the, the rabbi walks by. But a Samaritan, one who is an enemy of the man lying in the road, binds his wounds, cares for him, takes him, and heals him. This is a model for us, brothers and sisters. And this faith and this love are embedded in hope. And this hope is a specific hope, right? When we read the New Testament and St. Paul and the other people, they talk about hope. They're not talking about a, a general feeling that things are going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. Don't you hate that sometimes when something's really going wrong and someone's like, everything's going to be fine. <laughs> and sometimes it isn't, right? It's not that general sense of everything might work out okay, maybe just to have a little bit of hope. The hope that's referring to, that he's referring to here is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. For the authors of the New Testament, hope is rooted in Jesus. As Christians, we have been given, St. Paul will say, the Holy Spirit as a guarantee, right? Or the down payment of something. And that guarantee and that down payment is our resurrection. 
Right? Just as Christ was raised from the dead, so too we will walk, the scriptures tell us, in newness of life. That's what the Christian hope is. That in Christ, death does not have the final say for us. And this is something I preach at funerals regularly, is that in Christ, even though right now it looks like death reigns, in Christ, death does not have the final say. That our great hope is our own being raised from death. After this, he continues on by praying for them, for the church here in Colossae. And he, he prays out something very specific for them and for us. He asks God that the church there would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good works, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. So to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and understanding. What does it mean? Well, elsewhere in the scripture, St. Paul calls Jesus the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. And then he talks about how the wisdom of God has been made manifest. So for Paul, when he talks about the knowledge of God's will and God's understanding, he's saying that they will come to the knowledge of and the understanding of and the participation in God's saving purposes in Jesus. That they will know it and experience it and be filled with it. Then he says, walk worthily. Because when we have been filled with the knowledge of God's will, when we've been filled with the knowledge of God's understanding, when we understand what God has purpose for us in Christ, right, this faith and this hope and this love working together, it then enables us to walk worthily. This means that we will live a lives that please God. Those in Christ must live appropriately patterned after Jesus, following in the way of Jesus. And then he says, I pray that you would bear fruit and increase in the knowledge of God. God is at work and people are at work. As we walk worthily, as we are filled with the knowledge of God's will and understanding, then God will help us to bear good fruits. Because bearing fruit then, he says, will make you strengthened with all power for joyful endurance. He says that in verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. The strength is a gift of God himself. And it enables us to endure with joy. And endurance is, right, well he uses metaphors of athletes, right? On other places in the New Testament. When you train, you are submitting your body to a, a physical regimen so that you will be able to Endure the hardships of whatever it is you're about to face. Right now, one, uh, there's a, uh, a 
There's a, a podcast that I really like right now. I kind of discovered it recently. And the host is a, a former Navy SEAL turned contractor. And he retired. And he has on people from the military. And, and he often has people on from special forces and, and different wings in the military. And they all talk about their time training. And the, the, the exercises that they have to do, the team building exercises that they have to do, all of the things that help them to endure, right? Because if you can endure say, you know, if you're in the Navy, if you endure Hell Week, then you can learn to endure being in country, climbing up a mountain. All of this endurance is working towards something. It's to help us do what God has asked us to do. And this strength comes from God himself because God does not remove us from the world, which is obvious because we're here right now and listening, you're listening to me talk about this on a Sunday morning. God does not remove his people from the world. What God does is he promises that as we live as his people in the world, that he will be with us. And him being with us does not mean that we will never experience the negative things that happen in this life. It doesn't mean that we will be free from experiencing the death of beloved friends and family. It doesn't mean that we will be free from experiencing physical pain. It doesn't mean that we get a pass out of all of that stuff. But what it means is just as Christ endured and suffered more than any of us will ever know and more than any of us will ever suffer, suffered to such a point that they had to create a new word to describe the amount of pain, excruciating, it helps us to identify with him. And as Christ has endured, so we too can learn to endure as well. God does not promise to remove us, but he promises to be with us. He, is, he promises to be with us. And so, brothers and sisters, this is my great prayer for all of us here at Zionstone Church. That the gospel would continue to bear fruit among us. That we, the work that we do, would continue that the work that God is doing, not just through us as a church, but through us individually, that that will continue to bear fruit. I pray that all of the formation that, that, we're, that we're trying to do with those in confirmation, that that will continue to bear fruit, that that will begin a lifetime of love and service to our Lord Jesus Christ. That it will continue that those of you who have been formed in the faith and have, have been in the faith for a very long time, whether you're towards the end of your life or in the middle of your life, that all of the things you've been formed in will continue to bear fruit in your hearts and in your lives. My prayer for you is that you will be filled with the knowledge of God's will, that you would understand God's saving purposes in Christ, that the hope of the, re the, the resurrection that we have in Jesus will help you then to walk worthily, to walk like Christ did, to live and to love as Christ did. That God would continue to strengthen you so that you can endure in the hard times. Not only just endure in the hard times, but learn to rejoice and be happy and be filled in the good times. Because all of this is working towards what he says in verse 12. The Father has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son 
in whom we have the redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. So, all of this is working together to help us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. There's that language of inheritance that we talked a little bit about earlier, right? The guarantee, the, the, um, the promise, the down payment, right? Of the resurrection. That God has made us able to share in that. Because he has delivered us out of darkness. He has brought us into the light. Into the kingdom of his son. In whom we have the redemption. The forgiveness of our sins. And may we brothers and sisters. As individuals and as a church. May we be filled for fruitfulness. And may our Lord Jesus Christ continually use us to serve. To bless. And to be a strength to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Zion's Stone Church. We're in the middle of a building repair campaign, and if you'd like to help, please go to www.gofundme.com slash Zion's Stone Church Repair Fund. We'd appreciate anything you'd be able to donate. If you're ever in the area, you're always welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 10.15 a.m. God bless you.